Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Julia. This is Wayne. This is Mary. All right. So I got to watch when I release this because I said in the last bonus episode that our next episode was going to be gaming related. So I'm going to have to release this one second. But we are going to go bonus episode for this. There's a conversation that I was having on Facebook with a guy named Charles. I'm not going to use his full name because I didn't clear it with him before recording this. So I don't want to. His name is Charles Xavier. Yes. (laughs) And it's really Charlie. Charlie has his own Facebook account. Yeah, yeah, it's my dog, Charlie. Exactly. Which is like the most generic dog name. It's not Fido. It's Charlie. Everyone has a dog named Charlie. Fido is related to Abraham Lincoln, and that's the only reason that's a popular dog name. I did not know that. I have been told, and apparently this is not true, it's an urban legend, that the name Wendy was popularized or possibly even invented by the story Peter Pan. Hmm. That it only either was invented there or only became popular thereafter. Right. And I know it wasn't invented there because I looked up the history of the name and it predates that book. But popularized. But it may have been popularized by the book. So do you call, so speaking of old names, Dorothy or Dorothy? Dorothy. I know. To be fair, like, I, I have a Dorothy. Sister, I have a sister named Barbara, and it's spelled Barbara. Bar- Barbara. Barbara. It's Barbara. And it's like no. Hannah Barbara, like, otherwise Barbara. <laughs> it is Barbara. Although to be fair, she's under the age of fifty, so she's like God called me Babs. <laughs> like just anything but Barbara. Barbara. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. There's anyway, a few yes, names that's... like that where I yeah. I, look, I have nothing against them, but they do not belong on any person Edith. under the age of about yeah. Edith. Agnes. Agnes. If you're yes. under the age of sixty, you should not. It's always have women's this name. names. My, you notice that? My, it's always women. No, yeah, no, no, no. I could give you some male me, names. Her I'm not going to do it because the fact that I have some relatives by these names, <laughs> and I'm what? not trying to be that Throw kind of cruel. The bus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, there's some names. Herbert. That. Should... Be fair, I would have said Walter, but oh, Walter. we know Walter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he goes by Walt, which he is does a little bit better. Walt. To be fair, I, although I had an uncle who was named Walter who went by Winky, so that's its own problem. Ew. What? What? I had a great uncle Winky. That's there's a guy up my management chain. <laughs> Wait, no, no, no. Wait, excuse me. He was married to my aunt Peter. <laughs> huh. Whose name was Marion, but she preferred her maiden name, so she went by Peter instead. So in the bedroom, he was getting a lot of Peter. Yeah, it was it was Uncle Winky and Aunt Peter, and it was that's the thing. So it was wow. two penis names. Yes. What the and I grew up thinking this was normal, and then I got to high no, school, and no. I said it once, and everybody well, was like, look, all right. did they have frame, stare at Mary. Did they have kids? No. Yes, they did have kids. Oh, yes. What did they name? name their kids? Dick Cole. Oh, okay. In. Just Cole. In. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, anyway. All right. Yeah. Moving on. So, Winky and Peter and the docking family. <laughs> Um, all right, so that's not what we're going to talk about today, I hope. Because what we're going to talk about says I was having a conversation with a guy by the name of Charles about the rise of AI art. All right, now let me put some parameters on this conversation because the show is about artificial intelligence, but we are focusing specifically on the creative applications of artificial intelligence. We are not talking about Skynet taking over the world. We are not talking about AI in the medical environment. We are not talking about AI even in the technical environment or customer service or whatever. We are talking only about AI in terms of the production of visual art, fiction, articles, like news articles, Mm -hmm. game production. There's apparently now an AI that they have trained to be a chat bot that basically functions like a choose-your-own-adventure or Zork-level game master. We are only talking about AI in the context of creative arts. Now, I'm going to have some opinions on this that I am very worried people are going to misunderstand because people tend to hear one phrase and go gonzo. (laughs) And so one of the things I want to establish up front, and I apologize in advance, but I'm going to repeat multiple times 
because of the fact that I want to minimize the likelihood of a rational individual, because I can't control irrational individuals, but a rational individual misunderstanding me. If you look at what I have spent over the past 10 years of my life on commission art from real live human artists, including this year, 2022, it is no small amount of money. And someone on this podcast, Mary, can Hi, yes. attest to this <laughs> because she is one of the artists that I have commissioned to do art. So my support for human artists, mm-hmm. whether it's in the form of authors or visual artists or comedians or whatever, I think I have a fairly impeccable or nearly impeccable track record. Oh, yes. No, you technically qualify as a patron of the arts in the most literal Mm -hmm. sense. Why doesn't he pay me to entertain him with all my amazing comedy? Because you're you're not funny. Because you're something more permanent. Because you're, (laughs) yeah, your comedy's not funny. (laughs) So... So nice, okay, I, right? But Mary, however, draws, and so that's very different. I can sing. I can create art that is strippers that I don't. Yeah, have to exactly, strip for. exactly. But I can yeah, create you, you a CD. Exactly of, of stripping. Look, I don't like know. Singing. I, all right, I'm turning this into a negative episode. So let me get back on track. All right, the point that we were discussing, we being me and this individual named Charles, were discussing, is that AI art right now visual art specifically and there are a variety of apps that do this and i'm not going to name any partially out of a sense of moral duty but also because to be honest off the top of my head i don't remember their names so even if i wanted to i couldn't name them but where you can go and type in a phrase and the more you train it and the longer you make the phrase the closer it gets to creating a bit of custom art that you want. In fact, there was a story in the news, and if I remember, I'll link this in the show notes, where a bit of AI art actually won an art contest that was supposed to be among traditional artists. And a bit of AI-created art won the contest and took the attention away from human artists because of the fact that it was that good. And I will admit it was a pretty cool piece of art. Well, and it does take some talent to get it trained to do. Well, and I think it also was, there was more intricacy than that because I think the entry was placed by a human artist who used right. AI. Who trained to it to do what he wanted. Create some of the art yeah. and then refined it. But it was, yeah, it, it, yeah. it created a lot of controversy because of the use of AI art, period. Right. And then. Fair. And yes. I will link to the story. But obviously, I have a question about AI. Okay, go ahead. Mm -hmm. So I've never used any of it. I have not played with it. I've seen people posting it. My understanding of AI art and how it works, you are training it by feeding it actual art and phrases. Yeah, art. And that is... It depends. Yes. But that the AI itself is not starting from a blank canvas. No. It is taking other people's art and piecing it together. It is basically plagiarizing other artists to create new art. In various ways, but yes. not entirely true, but that is mostly true. Because you can also give it just words and it'll compile... Well, the problem is that even when you give it words, it's compiling stuff still from open source imagery right which yeah. in a lot of cases is already stealing like even a google image right. search right. has it's a lot stealing. of copyrighted material oh, yeah. and a, so even if I'm it's a web just developer, I doing get it. google image yeah. search and You're taking images from the okay. image so like that was it's, that it's, was my question yes. to understand yeah. the conversation okay. first because well, i wanted to make sure it wasn't starting from a blank microsoft paint and drawing right. lines itself right that it's it's not, if that, that yeah. was the case that'd be very different it'd be because, very mo- a lot more impressive because and, and it would be less controversial yeah. yes. Yes. yes because i would say you're using plain language to describe to an ai what you want and the ai is creating it but as much as we want to fantasize and maybe accurately so, about what AI will be capable of. The way that I describe AI currently, and I'm not going to pretend to be an expert, but I have done some training in AI, and I have done some development in AI and machine learning and such, so I know something about it. I'm not an expert, and if you are, if you're a Bob Aron sort of guy, I'm sure you can correct (laughs) me, but let me at least ballpark how AI works right now. 
The way I described it in my discussion with Charles is it's like a very attentive child that you sit this blank slate AI down and you give it two things. You give it a series of parameters, which are going to be objectives or boundaries. This is what you ought to do. This is what you ought not do. And you are then going to feed it a starting data set of information. You're going to ask it to look at images, to look at conversations, to look at pieces of written fiction like prose. And then you are going to ask it to start developing its own ideas based on that starting data set and set of parameters. I can I I would almost say that it's more like a gorilla who knows sign language than a human yes. child because it is not a human intelligence, even an untrained human intelligence looking at these things created by humans. It is something not at all human intelligent looking at these things created by yes, humans and interpreting The them. distinction that you're making, which gets a bit more technical than I was trying to get, but is a fair point to make, is there is a difference when we talk about AI intelligence or any form of machine intelligence between what's called syntax and what's called semantics. Syntax is literally understanding what a word means. All right, so if I say to a machine, I feel sad, does it understand in the most literal terms, this is what sadness is and this is how I ought to respond to it, but it is very, very detached, mathematical, feelingless. There is then semantic intelligence, which means to understand what sadness is. Mm -hmm. All right. So, for example, if Mary said to me, I feel sad, and I, at a completely emotionless Android-level intelligence, said, well, my parameter says, as her household robot, I'm supposed to make her feel better, and human contact, because of oxytocin, mm -hmm. makes a human feel better, I will hug her. The appropriate thing is to offer her a warm beverage. Yeah, are you Or, or chocolate. Or chocolate. Yeah, that's syntax. <laughs> Semantic is, let's say when Mary says to me as a human being, I am sad. And in my mind, I understand what sadness is because I have experienced it. And I feel a level of sympathy or empathy for her where I am already connected with her and want to relieve her pain because I internally get what sadness is beyond its dictionary definition, that's semantic. And AI right now, now it's hard to prove this, but to the best of our understanding, is increasingly syntactically intelligent, mm -hmm. meaning its understanding of words and their meaning and how to respond to them is growing. But its semantics is not. All right, let's use the example of AI art. So if I say to an artificial intelligence that I want you to take prompts, verbal prompts, and I'm going to use an actual example because the only bit of AI art I've gotten off of an AI was something that I never intended to commission a human being to do anyway. I was just experimenting with the tool and was entertaining myself was I asked an AI art program to draw me the second coming of Jesus to a group of gnolls. <laughs> now, it, the result was hilarious. And once again, if I remember, I'll post it with the show notes so you guys can see it. But it was just funny. And this is not something I'd have ever paid a human being to do anyway. But let's go through how this probably worked. Well, the artificial intelligence understood at the syntactical level what the second coming of Christ is. And it understood what gnolls are. And it understood the preposition of two. So it understood what it means for Jesus to appear to Knowles and what those words all mean. Now, semantically, it does not have any idea how I feel about Jesus. It does not have any idea how I feel about Knowles. Or how Knowles would feel about Jesus. Or how Knowles would feel about Jesus, or Jesus well, would versa, feel yeah, about Knowles. Right. Well, and actually the Knowles present the biggest like issue in this whole... This because whole precisely because for a simple reason that where did it get its understanding of what Jesus 
might look like in the popular understanding. Truth is, we don't know what Jesus looked like. No, and there's many interpretations. Yeah, we have some guesses, but we don't know what Jesus looked like. Knowles are purely fictional. You can't know what they look like because you've never experienced a real one. Right, and the only images you have are ones created by people as an interpretation, and all of those creations are, should, in theory, belong to the people who created them. Bingo. So where does your image, or in this case, the AI's image, of Jesus, Knowles, and them interacting come from? Well, it has to come from that base data set, which is going to be that base information, in this case, the art of other people, which may or may not be in the public domain, that it looked at. And all it's doing is taking that and syntactically connecting it based on my request, the semantics of what any of this means, (laughs) how I feel about it, or is it right to steal the art or inspiration or does it know that it's stealing art or anything? Well, and it doesn't feel it has guilt. No, it has no, as you say, syntax or semantics. What's, it. like what's interesting? There's no feeling there. I view so my work has been playing with AI, not coding for it, just messing with it, just for funsies. And I work for a tech company, and we've actually created content for websites with it, and it's done great. Yeah, like we were building a, a website for college, and we we're like, we want generation specific kind of writing and at the time we didn't have any of that age group so we're like we want this this age group of writing appealing scholarships to younger teens and it just wrote it and sure it was freaking good mm-hmm. if you say to it look i want you to look at a data set we're going to feed you yeah which is all millennial or zoomer authors mm-hmm. using their slang and their base worldview and I want you to create an article about this topic. It has no semantic understanding of why people of that age group speak a certain way or of the fact that it may be taking work and therefore mm-hmm. livelihood for, or even stealing content mm-hmm. from individuals in that age group. That it yeah. may be wholesale lifting, lifting content. It. But luckily, like, so what we found, at least in my industry, when we were using this in, and we talked, we have content people there, we hire them, they are employed by us. And we asked them, are the AI, AI stuff helpful? Like, is it helpful to you to have an AI write something? And they said sometimes, especially when they're busy, it's nice to get that baseline. They get a baseline article that then they can go flower in their own stuff to. So it takes all that information you're giving it, and it spits out something that's kind of like a rough draft that you can then flower to whatever you need it to be. So it's you almost know, helping them along their jobs, when, especially when they're busy. So I was thinking about that. I don't think visually. I think in concepts, stats, I cannot do art because I can't the same way. visualize. Mm-hmm. I struggle like if I were going to go to an artist to do commissions of something, I would struggle to be able to tell them what you want, tell them what I want. Yeah. But right. I could type it into an AI a few times, have it generate something, and then give them this thing that it's generated. And so I, then they can yeah. have an idea of what's going on in my head. And right. I, people do that. Anecdotally, I know people who have gotten commissions that way. They were like, I can tell the AI to get this far. Then this is like... A concept a of what I want. Concept yeah. drawing. This yeah. is this is this the is not what I sketch. want, but this is better this than is me trying to give you words. An idea that well, you can I start think, from. I yeah. think that's a good direction to go with it. Like you know, we're talking about it stealing stuff, but if you're not putting it into contest and you're using it as kind right. of that baseline situation for people who can't conceptualize, like. I'm not an artist either. Right. I wouldn't be able to tell you what I wanted. But if I can get an AI to get as close as I possibly can, especially like a tattoo artist. Or, I mean, think about that. When I go into a tattoo artist, I'm like, I want this thing. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to show them a concept of what I want and let them take their own creative spin on yes that? Yes and no. Because at the same time, what most people do when they go to a tattoo artist is they go to a Google image shirts and be like, yeah. I kind of want this. But can you change it in this way? Fair. So you're already doing, doing that, that without the AI yeah. stealing other people's images and yeah. translating. As fair, someone fair. who has commissioned a lot of art, one of the things that most artists ask for is if you can describe it verbally, great. If you can't, can you at least give me reference images to fair. kind of ballpark it? Mm-hmm. And then what they will do, especially if you negotiate this with them up front, is they will then give 
give you sketches right. and you can kind of, you know, in that Moonlander game sort of style, overshoot to the left, overshoot to the right, get closer to the left, get closer to the right, and eventually hit Lane the target. Rain. Now, yeah. I want to pause here because I think this is a good jumping off point because I just talked about human artists taking inspiration from other art. Mm-hmm. What? morally separates that from an AI doing the exact same thing. And I want to ask this in terms of the broader context of what are the moral conundrums? What is the human appeal here of why someone ought to use a real, quote unquote, real artist as opposed to an AI artist? And once again, when I was talking to Charles, he had a whole Q&A mm-hmm. that basically said, well, here's argument, counter-argument, argument, counter-argument. And I might talk to him and see where he got that from and maybe steal it for the show notes. But I want to ask you guys as a panel, what's the difference? Well, I, as a non-artist, I'll throw mine out first. <laughs> yeah. All right. And then Mary can tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> My thought about the difference between the two is if Mary is going to take inspiration from something and do it, she is still going to start with a blank canvas, and everything that is on there is something that she has created. Versus the AI art is going to start with someone else's work and start modifying it. That is a huge difference in my mind. Because at that point, it is modifying other people's work to create something new. It is not starting from a blank canvas and taking the ideas to create this. Mary, do you think that's true? And I'm going to be somewhat harsh here because Mm -hmm. of the fact that I'm trying to get at the real issue. Right. Isn't your art as a human being always somewhat seated or derivative based on your experience? 100%. Like there... So, so what separates you from an AI artist? Well, so so I, I, I will start by defining... Wayne is correct. The words that I would use are, it is the difference between homage and plagiarism. Where plagiarism being taking something outright and calling it your own, whether it's in writing, whether it's in art, is legally and morally wrong. Mm-hmm. Yes, we can yes, agree yes, on that. Yes. Okay, yeah. And homage knowing where you got a concept knowing where you got a style from makes all the difference in the world at least in terms of human creativity you can create a design that you know you like were looking at something or thinking of something that was drawn by somebody else but you know where that came from and so maybe somebody looking at your art, like the thing that you created based on, like, say you like really love Frank Frazetta and you like want to make that van painting like in the Frazetta style, <laughs> but it's still yours. Somebody right. looking at it may not know the difference, may not be able to say that that is not a Frazetta painting or may know but that But you didn't copy it, basically. But as long as you are not taking a painting that Frank Frazetta did and gritting it out and duplicating it grid for grid. And also, as long as you are not, like even then, taking every single pose, every single gesture, every single like background detail and copying it, even if it's not an exact replica, is still not the right way to do it. Because there's nothing of you in it. It's not creating new art. It's just taking somebody else's art and selling it for your own profit. Well, then can we talk about another media here? So let's talk about writing. I mean, when you're having an AI write something like what I said, there's no real work they're taking it from. They're taking it from a dictionary, right? Not, so well, like yes and no. They can be taking different? it from the dictionary. They can also be taking it from the entire encyclopedia of written word that is on the internet. Yeah, but, but as long point, as they're not it's, taking it all as... from one source, if they're not stealing right. an entire yeah. sentence, there's... an entire paragraph from one source. But do you feel like source, that's different than like an artist yeah. working well, I, like for yes, painting? I feel it's very different. Yes, it is. It absolutely is. I don't... Well, okay. Here's what I would say where I'm not sure it is different. This has not yet impacted me directly. Mm -hmm. I'm not a visual artist. I'm not right now in any of the fields that AI is directly hardcore impacting. It is mine. I'll tell you why in a second. Yeah, right this split second, my employment is not in threat or in jeopardy because of AI. But the two things I do, my primary source of employment is information technology. And there is a growing body of work on getting AI to the point where you can describe to it what a program ought to do. And then it does. And then it does it. Now, we're not there yet, but it is 
coming. The second thing is my side job of doing creative writing, creative speaking, etc. is increasingly being encroached on by AI. Once again, we're not there yet. Right. In terms of AI being able to write a really good full-length novel or to GM a game, we're very close. We're a lot closer than we are with program, but we're still not quite there yet. Well, and to be fair, we're still not quite there with an AI generating a real Story. human image. Yeah, or, well, or a complete painting. Yeah. The fingers are creepy. The, Hands, Dude. little details. Hands that, are one thing in particular the AI cannot a, see AI get can, right. Well, and to be fair, there's a reason they're real hard for artists to figure out, too. They're intricate. But they're intricate, but they're also on a different scale. Took yeah. me years to figure this out. Hands and faces are hard for everybody to learn because they are on a different detail scale than the rest of the human body. Well, there's another truth that I'm going to add on top of that. Which is, I talked a moment ago about the difference between syntax and semantic. Now, when I go to someone like Mary or Keith Curtis or Lorenzo or Jared Owen or any of these other artists that I've worked with, and I say that I want a piece of art, I am communicating to them the syntax of what I literally want. But they as human beings relate to that with the semantic of why I want. But now let's bounce the ball back the other direction. When they go to create the art, they may line up my parameters of, oh, I want a picture of a person dressed this way, posed in this scene. Very syntactically literal things. But they are also going to introduce a unique semantic to it. Let me use the example I used before of that AI art I did just for a laugh of the second coming of Jesus to a tribe of Knowles. When I bounce that off of someone like Mary, her semantic understanding of what Jesus means to me, what Jesus means to her, <laughs> and what Jesus means to a tribe of Knowles who have and what Jesus never means heard of to Jesus. a tribe of Knowles, exactly. <laughs> And all of a sudden, elements are going to get added into this art. Of how she interprets it. Of how she, not just she interprets it, but how she understands it. Because, for example, in the picture that I have, the gnolls are moving very much like a typical gnoll tribe. They're just kind of wandering, all looking in the same direction. They look like you would expect a typical D&D picture of a Null tribe to work, except Jesus is in the middle of them, and for no particular reason, if I remember the picture right, and I may be quoting this wrong because I haven't looked at the picture in a bit, even the angel Gabriel's like up there in the air, and there's a freaking Null with wings. Uh, I know. Once again, I may be but wrong on that. Get that framed in here. It's, it's I hilarious. Like, like I know. I need to know. But but the point being that Mary might introduce semantic elements. True. Because the gnolls, which are vicious killers, very selfish in nature, Definitely not whatever. Christian. They probably are, would have killed Jesus. Are all of a here. sudden depends yeah. on depends on what his messages exactly. Right. And she whether might or not say, they speak common. Well, yeah, wait a minute. Her. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna draw the typical suffering servant Jesus. I'm gonna draw the Book of Revelation Jesus oh, because yeah. he'll impress the gnolls because he's got he's a, got a he's, he's got, got a big warrior. sword, and a giant white horse, and flaming, and all this. Yeah, stuff. and if you throw in like you know Old Testament Gabriel in there, yeah, yeah. like warrior, yes, they're that's... gonna have tails between or the legs. They're either running or, or they're worshiping. like we're setting up our strongest warrior to go fight <laughs> this yeah. for honor, yeah, like, yeah. Or fight him with honor, or maybe the gnolls are all intimidated by him, <laughs> or no. or are doing submissive sort of dog poses. I mean, even the idea that I prefer gnolls as dogmen as opposed to hyena men. Hyena men are technically cats. Cat people, yes. Yeah, then (laughs) that right there is going to affect Mary's interpretation of this in a way that AI won't because AI is doing syntax without semantics. And so AI is not just going to take inspiration from other art. What it is going to fail to do is take semantic, once again, not syntactical, but semantic inspiration from me. It does not understand what I want. There's something I was saying before the show, and I'm not sure I should admit to this on the show, but I'm going... (laughs) Wait, there are a lot of things. There are a lot of things that were said. I'm going to anyway. You need to... Edit this before yeah, dropping yeah, it. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, never mind that I won't. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> now I need to know. But but 
But I'm curious, outside of the obvious commentary mm-hmm. that it sucks to put humans out of work, which I think on its own stands as a we should substantive moral argument. Mm-hmm. Right. What are the other issues you guys have with AI creativity? I want to add one that I think is a good thing that I've seen come out in my industry, not just with the content, is I think uh, I'd have, I can let you link it in the show notes if I can find it because we were messing around with it at work. There's actually a really nice tool. I believe GitHub is using it too, where you can tell it what you need and it spits out like base level syntax for you, which is great when you're like, I know six different programming languages and I'm messing up the if statements because oh, they're yeah. all different. Is being able there to are tell a, into that. There are a ton of tools out there yeah. that do editing for like i don't know what is actually considered ai at this point this one you actually that 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 is a trick editing information searching librarian type stuff look google is a base level ai this one's an ai Uh, because you tell it what you need you say i i need a php thing that does x y and z it'll spit out syntax for you if you go to uh, excel help on google it will do the same thing okay yeah that's still considered ai because you're giving it input yeah and like things like that i I use things like that all the right. time. That's what I'm saying. Like, so there's I like a, a happy medium. I yeah, I am a point. coder. I can, but I don't necessarily know everything I want to do. It's no different for me to go to something like that and say, I need a script that does this and let it come back and give me something that I'm going to start editing. Right. And it is for me to do a search yeah. and just go out and search. Well, for I mean, I'm that. using, Google, yeah. even in the employment of Mary early, I shouldn't say employment, but the yeah. job that. I'm the commissioning, Mary. commissioning? Yeah. The, the commissioning. commissioning of Mary. I'm relying on an AI because when I look for reference images, I go to Google and I'm saying to Google, I want to see a picture of this, this, and this. And I'm giving it kind of ballpark terms to give me inspiration photos or reference photos. Well, that one I, of the ways I, I don't know if this is considered AI or not, because again, it's what is AI? There are apps out there I have used for things like, here's a meme. I want to take one picture. I want to take a picture of someone's face, put it on there and let it do the job of doing the shading and blending and all of that stuff that I am incapable of doing because I don't think artistically. That is not something I'm going to commission someone to do. It's something where I need this done in like 30 seconds because I need a joke that's only going to be funny for another minute. Well, let me ask you a question. And this is is that AI. This is a loaded question. And I do not agree with my own question. This is just (laughs) a question being asked. For discussion. Yeah, literally in the sense of rhetoric. (laughs) Rhetoric has been misunderstood as meaning a question with no intended answer, which is only partially true. I'm asking the question as a form of forwarding the discussion, which is the proper meaning of rhetorical question. So asking a question rhetorically, what if you're producing an RPG source book and you're doing it at home, you're not Watsy or whatever, you have little to no budget, is that any different than going to an AI and saying, oh, I want to see a post-nuke marketplace for the upcoming Skies of Glass rule book, right? If I don't have the money to pay somebody or don't even know exactly the aesthetic I'm looking for, because I don't know how to separate Skies of Glass aesthetic from Fallout or Wasteland or Mad Max or whatever. What's the difference? And I'm not saying I agree with right. this point. Mm-mm. I'm just raising it as a discussion. Right. Well, the question is, are you making that as a product to sell? Because if you're yeah. making a profit off and of it, that's a huge difference. If you're making this as a homebrew that you're giving other players around your table and never making money off of it, that's different than you're going Do to make money want. off of it's, it. Yeah. it. It is a question of intellectual property and also monetary gain like it literally is a are you taking these images raw and taking them from the internet and putting them in your book and printing it or are you taking them from the internet and modifying them in any way before using them in a monetary way and is that any different from 90 percent of the artists i know who are like illustrators or anything else like that where they're like I need this pose. So I'm going to go to Google image shirts and see if I can't yeah. find a stock image of a person sitting in a chair and be able to, like, cause I can't, I don't just have, come t- up I with either that don't have time. I don't have the resources. I can't hire a model to sit in a chair for me. And the image is there. And I'm not using that image in any way except for as a drawing reference. Right. And is that different than taking an image and modifying it? Or is that just using an image as inspiration just to get the way it looks correct. There are lines here. Oh, yeah. And I'll give you a recent example. I went out to Fiverr 
Mm-hmm. And I was doing, you know, I commissioned some uh, art for various things that were some graphic design stuff. Yeah. The very first thing I get back as an offer, I look at it, I look at the image on there, and then I throw it into Google image search. And I start, I find where they have gone out and they've pulled other people's stuff and put it together. Right. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. I am not paying you for something that, that you have taken yep. from someone mm-hmm. else's work. I can't use that. Right. In my, because it is not something that you have the right to sell me. Right. It's not something you have the right to sell me. It's yeah. not something I have the right to buy. It's not something I have the right to sell. Like, yeah. Yeah. The, the closest I ever got to that was there was an artist, and I forget the gentleman's name, but he specializes in photoshopping images. And what I mean specifically mm-hmm. is you go to him with a commission idea, mm-hmm. and he then goes out and searches through libraries of real images and pieces together the image you're looking for. And the reason that I use this guy is because I was trying to mentally picture what would a particular character look like as a real person. Illustration can't get me there. Right. This has to be drawn from photos. Now, I will also admit, however, while I did pay this individual to do it, I have never published, posted, or done anything with the image other than squirrel it away as my own mental reference of what would it look like if this character was a real person. Well, and, there, and there, there's also a thing where if you have, again, stock photo images are a thing that are out there that people can pay money and have access to databases for a reason. They exist. You can pay pennies and have hundreds of images that you can pull from, again, for photorealistic things. The question is, is who you're paying, do they legally own the images they're using or do they or, or not? Or even models. I have yes. hired models either directly or more often indirectly. Lorenzo, I mentioned earlier, who's an artist who works only off of real images. He hires models that pose for the pictures. He photographs them and then paints them. And it's not a cheap process. No, Don't get it is me the wrong. ideal, but it is Yeah, it is cheap. the ideal and it looks great. I can't repost the images because they're not G-rated, <laughs> but it, they look great but the point is that there's a real thing there now i don't feel equipped to answer every single reason particularly the more apathetic they are about the implications of air but there are two points that i want to make and one's going to be against and one's going to be a shoulder shrugging but not heartfelt Let me start with the against. One of the ways that they have found that AI works, and I say they have found because part of the beauty of AI is you don't always know what it's going to do, is they have found that AI uses a metaphor. And what I mean by that is, let's take Google Translate as an example. If you say, I jumped over there, can we say that in English? It looks one way. If you were to translate that literally, word for word, what's called transliteration, okay? So word for word translation, then the proper German phrase would be something closer to I over there jumped. It would not be I jumped over there, okay? It would be a different arrangement of words. And in the older days of Google Translate, you used to be able to have a lot of fun (laughs) translating things in and out of English through like 30 middle languages. And what would come back was just this total... Ab- well, they, they made better trivia <laughs> questions when you would translate song lyrics that oh, way. Like, they were they, they've gotten oh, much yeah. closer to reality now. There's a well, YouTube person I love watching that does that. They will take a song and send it through 15 different languages, mm-hmm. and then they will sing the song that it spits out. Yeah, I, I once saw a really funny video uh, done with that, with the lyrics to the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air intro. <laughs> Where they just kept putting it yeah. through more and more languages, and they had a guy rapping it, and holy crap, it got increasingly funny. <laughs> How have they gotten around that? Why is Google Translate now better than it used to be five, ten years ago? Well, the answer is there's a meta language that instead of doing what's called transliteration, which is a word for word, they do a paraphrasing, where instead they do idea for idea. So if you say, I jumped over there, when it takes that to German, it passes it through a language 
that only Google Translate speaks. It actually invented it. This is not a language they taught it. This is not a language, to the best of my knowledge, any human being speaks or understands. But it breaks those ideas into concepts and then reassembles those concepts back together in another language because it basically says, well, this concept translates or corresponds to this concept and then recreates that in another language. Now, the same thing is happening with art. When I say the second coming of Jesus to a tribe of Knowles, it's taking those concepts and looking for things it can assemble them to. Now, what's my point with this? Well, my point is in order to do that, in order to go from A to meta-language to B, A and B have to be populated, all right? So in order to show Jesus, you must first have input that says this is what Jesus is. Right. In order to have an output of Jesus with Knowles, you must have a concept of, in terms of perspective and distance and size, what Jesus among Knowles looks like. So the meta language does not work without a data set of information populating A and B. And AI, as of right now, does not ex nihilo or from nothing generate A and B. Now, I realize in the most reductive sense of the term, you can say, well, humans don't have original ideas either. We observe, recycle, repackage, and We've you're not wrong. For the last 20 years. Well, <laughs> and you're not entirely wrong. I mean, goodness gracious, thousands of years ago in the book of Ecclesiastes, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. This is all a chasing of the wind. That's where that phrase comes from. It actually comes from the Old Testament. But the point is that somewhere in history, something started to exist. Humans observed it, interpreted it, and assigned meaning to and out of that came semantics. Not just a sign, but recorded meaning to it. And then built upon meaning to that. Yes. And created a body of work that is both the seed input and the full-grown or matured output of that meta-translation. Right. And so what the AI is bringing is not A or B. It's the meta-translation in the middle. And so that's one of the ideas I want to to state as an anti to this. When you are supporting a human artist, you are financially and intellectually and emotionally supporting the growth of the origin and the destination. All AI does is screw with the meta language in the middle. All right, now once again, that's a little bit of an oversimplification because I'm not a huge expert and I don't want to get too deep into the weeds on the technical level, but that's the gist of it. Now, my point B, which is not a moral endorsement, this is simply a statement of truth. When robots came to automotive assembly lines, mm-hmm. it may not have been right. It may not have been fair. It was inevitable. When people put out crap albums with great singles, Napster and LimeWire mm-hmm. may not have been right, may not have been fair, but they were inevitable. And, and now right now... With 25 billion streaming services, the sum of which cost more than cable ever did, Mm -hmm. the sudden return and resurgence of torrenting and Pirate Bay and all of that stuff, it may not be right, it may not be moral, it may not be legal, but on some level, it does feel inevitable. And I'm just being honest here. As someone whose credentials I feel are impeccable. If you look at what I spend in a year on commission art, once again, many of which I can't share because it would get me kicked off of Facebook or something. But they are beautiful. If you're really curious, (laughs) if you're really curious, send me a private message on Facebook along with the disclaimer that you want to see this, and I'll send you some samples so you can see the type of stuff I'm commissioning. I spend no small amount of money supporting other artists, writers, visual artists, comedians. I put my money where my mouth is. Please do not misunderstand what I'm about to say as an endorsement 
It is simply a shoulder-shrugging acceptance of reality. If the average person can go to an AI platform, and I do understand there's apparently an FTC intervention here that may ban some of these AI things, particularly those that are feeding their seed data off of copyrighted images and copyrighted writing Mm -hmm. that may sort of kneecap the market in the same way that lawsuits kneecapped Napster. But I will say that in one form or another, this feels inevitable. And the recommendation to the music market at the time that Napster was big was if you guys want to survive, you need to innovate. You need to start offering your music in MP3 and you need to start letting people buy the singles when the album sucks. Now, I don't have the solution for artists. No. I don't have the solution for writers. I don't have the solution for computer programmers, which is how I pay my bills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm admitting I don't have the solution, but I'm not naive about the way history works. No. There feels to me, and I will continue to put my money where my mouth is because of the fact that A, I'm able to do so, and B, I believe it is right to do so. But there is a part of me that feels this is inevitable. And if you are making your bread and butter in that space, photography, illustration, painting, etc., this is going to sound cold, and I cannot stress enough that it is not meant to be. It feels inevitable. You need to innovate, and I don't know what the innovation is. So So right now... I will say this, that the limitations of AI art are such that they can only be printed. And what I mean by that is you can print it in a book. You can get a big plotter printer and print it out in super high resolution, but it will never be more than a flat image. It will never be a painting. It will never be a A acrylic painting that you can see the texture in. It will never be A a charcoal drawing that you can like brush charcoal away because which hasn't for physical collectors yet. is huge it is but it, it doesn't solve the problem yeah. yeah for commercial use i don't need no and, yeah. and if i'm making so, an and, rpg source book i don't care and as an artist who loves to do physical acrylic like real paintings yeah but then also take pictures of that and put it on the internet because that's a great way to share it with people mm. when you don't have access to like gallery space it is a thing and I think right now, the only thing separating these two things is dimensions, mm-hmm. is that AI art is still only really viable in two dimensions, and real art can be viable in three, eventually, and that's the only, th- and, and eventually with eventually, 3D printing, it, yes. that will change. Eventually, AI art, along with robotics, will be able to do... Just 3D printing. Painting. Well, and paint it, like, re- like yeah. actually apply like move a media brush. in a way that yeah. imitates real yeah. life. Yeah. Right now, it can't. Right now, that is the edge that humans have. Um, once again, I don't know how to solve the issue. See, I look and at, I it, I look at this completely solving. differently, partially because I look at both history and I look at my own industry and how we use AI. I don't see technology as something that is taking people's jobs. I see technology as an enabler to move abilities forward. Initially, it takes jobs. Yes. But in the long run... You have things that you were not able to have without that technology. So so AI apps, for example, that can do things like I take a picture and it's blurry. I can put this into an app and it can crisp it up and bring. Instead of spending hours learning Photoshop to exactly. be able to do it yourself. It brings yeah. that skill to the everyday there, okay. person. There is one thing I think AI does well. And once again, I don't know that's morally good. I'm just saying... It does it well in the most mechanical sense. And Wayne, I'm going to keep the gun over here because I don't want you to shoot me. <laughs> Shifting left. <laughs> yeah, if you know what that phrase means, you're probably already looking for my home address. All right, so let me explain what shifting left is for those of you that don't know. Shifting left is a horrifically used corporate buzzword, overused corporate buzz phrase that basically means to move work to the point that is closest to the execution of the work. In other mm-hmm. words, let's talk about tech support. Let's say your internet is kind of slow and you call up Spectrum or whoever you have and you say, hey, my internet is slow. <laughs> let's say the answer is, have you reset the router? But after that, it's like, well, wait a minute. 
you have an older version of the modem or router, let's send you a new one. Or, you know what, there's a problem with the lines, let somebody come out there and look at it. Or maybe our DNS settings are messed up. Here's how you can switch to Google. Now, what shifting left is, is basically saying, instead of waiting for tier two or tier three tech support or an outright system engineer to fix it, what if we both teach and empower the person in tier one tech support answering the phone to know these answers and to put in the ticket to execute these answers? Forget that. When you call in... Have the line, have the user right. do those things before they talk to a person. Precisely. If you look at a lot of customer service or tech support, basic chatbots are already doing mm-hmm. this. Yep. If you go on to a lot of websites now, like Amazon or whatever, and you need support, there's a chatbot you're talking to first that says, what's your issue? And you type in, my package hasn't arrived. And it's like... Would you like help tracking your package? (laughs) This works for everything except canceling a Domino's order. They will not let you do that with an AI. Yeah, Yeah, they won't let you cancel Jack with an AI. I couldn't get Venmo to unfreeze my account. Try to cancel a Charter slash Spectrum account with an AI. You You have to argue with them on the phone for 30 minutes. But the point is that I've had some really good experiences with some of these. And some of them are ones at work that we have used. So we can quit doing the yep. annoying tasks, it's, and it's, we have automation. It's where- the Pareto principle. Can we get 80% of the issue solved with a relatively yep. dumb AI that's only capable of comprehending 10 or 20% of your problems? But those 10 or 20% of problems account for 80% yep. of your traffic. This is shifting left. 20% of your users will always account for 80% of your right. Well, and, I, I think- and if you want a picture of Lady Domitresque, which is how <laughs> she pronounced it in the game. I love you Romanians. I'm not going to debate you on this. I'm just going with how she pronounced it in the game. You want a picture of Lady Domitresque in S&Mware? Uh, is that the artistic equivalent of shifting left by getting an AI to do it? It depends. I mean, it, it really comes down to your early 2000s argument of would these people have spent money on your album anyway? Yeah. Are they downloading it off of Napster because they because it's cheaper? Yeah. Or are they downloading it off of Napster because they wouldn't have bothered to buy it if they had to and they didn't have another way yeah, to get because it? Because there's a great single not- and a crap album and it's not worth 20 bucks. I am not going to pay someone to... <laughs> crisp up my image but i might buy an app that's going to crisp up all of my images and in my mind and this is going to be compliment but also kind of kneecapping because it limits the amount of work the volume of work i don't need mary or lorenzo or keith curtis to crisp up an image for me Mm -hmm. the drop down menu in gimp will do it just fine or an ai artist will do it just fine but i am going to go to them if I want a commission art of a character from Battletech in a particular pose next to a particular mech, even no if they are, usually, yeah, I'm just being I mean, honest why here. Not? Yeah, <laughs> but look, I, I'm going to go to them for that because of the fact that, to me at least, that doesn't feel like shifting left. Now, this is me being annoyed with corporate buzzwords more than it is a solid moral <laughs> argument. Because, look, but, I, I don't know that I have a cogent intellectual argument. I'm not saying one doesn't exist. I'm just say, admitting ignorance. I don't have it. If, 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 if I had an AR program that was so sufficiently sophisticated that it could turn out for me Lorenzo or Mary level art off of a search phrase... Putting aside any moral quandary about taking money out of their pockets and bread off their table, why wouldn't I do it? Now, I feel morally wrong about this, but just speaking from a purely mathematical, ugly standpoint, why wouldn't I? I'm struggling to answer the question. Now, I've heard people elocute the answer better than I can, which goes back to my conversation with Charles where I might, once again, ask him if I can steal his Q&A. The one thing I will say is that I, I used this word in the beginning, and, the, and I will say it has historically, and it will probably continue to be this way. The arts exist because of patrons. There has never been a time in history that an artist has been able to make a living on art without people willing to buy the art. And there has never been a time in history where people have not been willing to buy art. No matter what the new 
art is, no matter it like the advent of textile machines and automatic weaving has not changed the fact that people are still willing to pay somebody to make their clothes. The advent of AI art probably will not change the fact that people are willing to spend money to pay a human artist to create art that a machine can't. This is a thing that I think will not change, no matter how good AI gets, no matter how good 3D gets. Do you gets, think, though, there's a... I don't think it's right. Right. I think that there are a lot of people now who are able to make a living as artists that could not have in the past. But I do think that there will never be a time in history where people are not willing to pay other humans to make art. Let me ask you a question, though, and maybe this is where we'll close out on because we're already running a lot longer than I intended to. Mm-hmm. I have, sitting in the room that Julia still thinks is a recording studio for some reason, even though there's no mics in there (laughs) and no mixer and no nothing. There's still mics in there. There are mic stands in there. It may shock you to learn which part of this records. (laughs) Talking to the mic stands all you want. They'll love to hear about your day. Uh, Maybe I'll be saving Mike some stress, but they will will hear nothing. But I have, sitting in that other room, a D20 made out of the tusk of a woolly mammoth. Mm -hmm. Now, that cost me no small amount of money. I'm sure. Because of what it is. Right. I mean, somewhere between ten and 25,000 years old. It really is made out of the tusk of a woolly mammoth, down to the point that I am required by law to keep a chip of the tusk with it in case the government wants to be able to test to prove it is mammoth tusk and not, and not poached ivory. Poached ivory yep. So I know it's real, mm-hmm. all right? In fact, I actually saw the tusk it was carved from. Do you know what the difference between that and a 25-cent plastic machine-made D20 is? Status. Yeah, no, it's... It, it, Do you it know is. what the difference is between a painting by Lorenzo or commissioned by you and a piece of AI art is assuming AI art reaches the point where it can actually draw hands <laughs> that don't have eighteen fingers, mm-hmm. or in or the case, six hands or in the or case of one of my failed, like, yeah. in the case of one of my failed pictures, while I was trying to get the good picture of the Second Coming of Christ to Knowles, where it gave a guy two chins and two beards. <laughs> All right, assuming we fix that, mm-hmm. you know what the difference is between AI art and Mary art or Lorenz art. Status. Yep. No, it is entirely a socioeconomic issue, and it always has been. And it has lessened the advent of internet and being able to take pictures and create art digitally has leveled the field a little bit for artists. But I don't think the status symbol, the socioeconomic baseline of I can pay for this, therefore I will, has ever or will ever change. One thing I also want to say. In favor of artists as I close this out. And please do check the show notes because I don't know what references I'm going to be able to get. But I'm going to try to get some references. But one of the things that I will say before I close this out is a lot of people in looking for commission art, they get intimidated by the potential price point. And I will tell you right now, there is some art in my collection that costs four figures to have done. All right. You can accept or, or reject that price point and i don't feel bad about it because i put food on somebody's table and maintain their livelihood and you got something that you considered of value in return precisely and i actually on the other hand even though i can afford that would never do it right right because i will not value that in that way that's someone else would yes truth but not the point i'm getting towards i however might pay that much for a statue that i might value that exactly or a piece of technology or who knows what right and the art if you know how to handle it and know how to get it, actually has an appreciating value, not a depreciating value. It is an investment. But let's put that aside. Let's say you don't have several thousand dollars to drop on a painting. Totally understandable. There are artists I work with that are at every price point. I have gotten commissions of completely custom art as cheap as 20 to $25. I have gotten commissions that are 100 bucks. I have gotten commissions that are 500 bucks. I have gotten commissions that are 5,000 bucks. Now, I'm not, once again, uh, defending or attacking any of these price points. My point is, and solely is, that if you are in a position where there's a character that you're really into, you're really all about Lady Domitresque or Quiet or Bowsette or whatever your thing is. I don't care what it is, right? Whatever it is, you know, I, of course, I went all TNA. I, <laughs> I, guess I don't even know who most of these are. I guess so. there are people oh, I, out I there. I got all of those. Fine. Ones. You're looking for. Also into Titsune, so that's fine. Yeah, you're looking for 
a book cover. You said Titsune. <laughs> yeah. You said, you said the loud part quiet and the quiet part loud. Thank you, thank you, Krusty. You're welcome. But, the, but whether you're looking for a picture of your D&D character or whatever, all I'm going to say is if you care about this at all, and if you want to keep the people that are feeding the seed data into these AI things, we have to support them on some level. And if you are intimidated by the price point, get out there on someplace like Fiverr or DeviantArt or whatever and do some searching around. You can probably find somebody who's actually a pretty good but struggling artist who can draw your character or your idea in a level that's, you know, not stick figure, that's actually good art for a very affordable price point. Please don't assume that all hand-done art is worth Sistine Chapel money, all right? Because it's not. Once again, I have gotten great art done by people at price points that are lower than what I'd spend at Applebee's on a dinner. So please do go out there and support your artists. And you know what? There are great ways also to defray or to distribute that price point. If there is an artist who does great work, but their art raw is worth a lot more than you can afford. And I'm talking any form of art here, writing, visual, comedy. You can go on to Patreon Mm-hmm. And because you're paying them three bucks, five bucks, ten bucks a month, whatever their price point happens to be, but so are a hundred or a thousand or five thousand other people, that together keeps food on their table while allowing you to own and consume and even request custom art that you would not otherwise be able to accomplish. So once again, I expect this to be a hell of a debate that's going to go across all of our social media. Please stay calm. I know it's emotional, especially for those of you that produce art or for those of you that are technologists. Please stay calm and cordial. Don't rage at each other. We will be moderating that. We're not going to put up with it. Stay chill. But if you want to look into this, once again, I'm going to try to provide some info But if nothing else, at least just chill out and contemplate it. Think about it. All right. I'm not telling you what conclusion to come to. I have my opinions and they're strong. But ultimately, you got to come to your own conclusion. So thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week and great booby art. And we will catch you next time. (laughs) Best kind of art. 